All right. Well, we kick off a brand new series today. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm, I'm always excited at the beginning of a new year. I think there's hope and opportunity at the beginning of any cycle, and there's always hope around that. This week, I called uh, my local gym. I haven't been part of it, and I said, is there a special happening this week? And they said, yes, if you sign up before January 4th, then your sign-up fee is free, and you just got to pay the monthly rate. And I thought, that's good. And some people join the gym until February and keep paying until December and never go. Uh, I have a little bit of a pattern, though. The last few years, I've kind of joined for three, four months in the winter, and then I get outside. So uh, I, I you know, kind of try and get in when it's cheaper and then stick around for a little bit and leave. But there is something about that. I want to, don't you? I mean, gyms are smart, right? They know that people around the holidays and right after the holidays want a fresh start. They want to feel different. They want to look different. They want to lose the 15 pounds that they gained over the holidays. And so there's this fresh start, fresh opportunity. And we call these, sometimes these decisions, resolutions. Who has some resolutions set up already? Who thought about any resolutions? There's a few people. Some of you don't want to share them because then we're going to hold you accountable to them. And uh, I get that. But I like resolutions. I think there's something good about resolutions because it's, if you, if, uh, in my journal, I like to write dreams and aspirations and goals and things like that. And, and that's, in essence, partly what a resolution is. When you want to commit to growing in some way, um, becoming um, different in some way, gr- learning something new, achieving something different. I mean, at the beginning of 2015, I'm part of this, maybe some of you guys are part of this online site called Goodread, and they asked you, you know, like, how many books do you want to read in 2015? So, I don't know, I just put a number. I, I put 25 books, and I want to read 25 books in 2015. I didn't reach 25, being honest. I didn't reach 25. But I, but I got this email in December that said, congratulations, David, you read 17 books in 2015. I thought, that's cool, 60%. Six, I was a 60% success rate towards 100. I didn't do so great in my weight loss goals, but I did better. I, I don't know what the percentage is there. Um, but uh, when, when you somehow commit to something or look forward to something, there's a greater possibility, studies tell us, that you, you can actually achieve it. And when you tell somebody about it, the possibility or the potential even grows again when you let someone know that you want to do something uh, in that area. So I have to admit, I like resolutions. I think, I think even when I fail at them, even when I fail at a resolution, I like them because they push me and they challenge me. Now, tucked inside this word resolution is an even better word, and it's the word resolute. Some people would say that resolution comes from the word resolve to, you know, you resolve to do something. But inside the word resolution, there's a smaller word, and it's the word resolute. And resolute um, is an amazing word. And and listen to this. Resolutions are what you attempt to do. But when you're resolute, it's more about who you are. Resolutions, you attempt to do something. But when you're resolute, it's more about who you are or who you are becoming. It's a verb. It's an action. It's a posture. It's a commitment. It's, it's tied to purpose and values and convictions. In fact, here's the, here's the definition of resolute. Admirably purposeful, determined, and unwavering. I mean, that feels different, right? If you're talking at a party and you say, these are my New Year's resolutions, or you're in November and December and look back and say, did I fulfill my resolutions? I mean, that word or that kind of even label is one thing. But if someone would say, 
Nick, you're a resolute person. Or Shannon, you're a resolute person. Or David, you're a resolute person. That's like, man, David's, this David, not me, admirably purposeful, determined. Wouldn't that be awesome to be called admirably purposeful, determined, unwavering? There's something amazing, there's something really, really powerful about that. So to be resolute is one who approaches life with purpose, um, with their decisions, with their purchases, with their schedule. The other day we were in the car and this old song comes on that uh, in the line it says, que sara, sara, what will be, will be, right? That's a Spanish word, que sara, sara, is like whatever happens, happens. What will be, will be. And I mean, to approach life with purpose is different than that, Right? There's something different about being resolute. It's determined towards a goal that gets done. If you've fallen into debt and you are determined to drop $2,000 or $5,000 off that debt, you have set on, you've set yourself towards something. You've become determined towards something. When you're unwavering, no action or detour or distraction will take you away from the life that you are leading or the place or the person you want to become. There's something beautiful about being purposeful, determined, unwavering. And there's biblical words for this in the scriptures. Holy is a word that means set apart. That's purposeful. That's, that's, that's to be set uh, for something. The word immovable is in the scriptures. To be unwavering, to be immovable. The word faithful comes up so often in the scriptures that one would be called faithful. Is, is, a, is, a, is a category or a label or a description of someone um, who I think would be resolute. And in, in essence, what it is, is becoming uncommon. Because it's common in our world at times to lack purpose. It's common in our world to be distracted by things. It's common in our world to not be that determined. It's common in our world to be wavering, not unwavering. So there's something uncommon when we become people who are resolute. There's a story in, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 12. And um, to be honest, I wasn't going to speak on this text. And just later on in the week, um, 1 Samuel 12 came to mind. And I, I looked it up and I thought, oh man, there's so much here that will start us off in this series. Different than I thought we were going to start off, in fact. And so in, Sam, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, we, we meet this person, Samuel. If you're unfamiliar with who he is in Israel's history, he was a judge, a prophet in Israel's time. He was one who uh, was used during this transition when Israel was a, a nation without a king to a nation with a king. And then he installed King Saul as Israel's first king. But things weren't going so well with King Saul. Israel, um, they desired a king. They wanted to be like every other nation and they wanted a king and so God relented. He gave them a king and Samuel walked through the process and gave them a king but Saul, uh, early on in his kingship, already, in a sense, not necessarily failed but fell short of what even his role could have been or should have been. And at the end of Samuel's life, in his farewell speech, he highlights this for Israel. He talks to them in chapter 12 about their story and their history and how they came to be. And then he talks to them specifically about this one choice, that they wanted a king. And his disappointment with that choice, their desire to have a king like every other nation. So you can read through the speech on your own and then, uh, you know, at your own time. But here's the end of the speech. And we see some interaction with the people and Samuel. And this is what the people all said to Samuel. Pray 
pray to the Lord, your God, for your servants, so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. Don't be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that, you, that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. Let's just pause for a moment. Um, Father, as we open up your word at the beginning of 2016, um, we invite you to speak deeply into our hearts and our lives. Challenge us, encourage us, highlight God for us. Ways that you specifically want to speak to us and lead us into this new year. Even beyond the words, I will say, God, I trust that by your spirit, um, you will speak to each and every one of us. And uh, in particular ways that we need to today and for this year and for this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's interesting, you know, Samuel's final speech He's, 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 he's sad. Uh, he's reminding Israel of this decision they made. And so there's some somberness here. He reminds them, in essence, they just wanted to be like everybody else by choosing a king or wanting a king. But there's some hope that there's still opportunity for a future, that there's still opportunity to live into their purpose. It's interesting. Verse 19 literally says, literally calls what their decision for a king evil Israel says, oh, you know, of all the other things we did, including this evil act of desiring a king. There was something sinful where they fell short of God's desire for them. They wanted a king. They asked for a king. In other words, they wanted to be like everybody else. They wanted to be like every other nation. They wanted to be like the nations that surrounded them. Their fault, their failure, their sin in this moment It wasn't so much that it was a political sin or a governance issue. It was the fact that they wanted to be like every other nation, even though God was leading them. See, Israel had this unique purpose. Israel was dependent on God, was empowered by God. God came through for them many, many times. Israel had this special vocation. And yet, in the midst of how they saw God at work so many times, over and over and over again, they were still tempted and drawn to be like everybody else. Say, God, give us a king like everybody else. So Samuel was somber in this speech because Israel didn't live up to their true possibility to be a nation that continued to depend on God, that continued to be led directly by God. And here's this temptation I think that you and I, all of us have. I think there's this temptation in culture that we, we, we struggle with every day, wanting to be like everybody else, wanting to just kind of fit into the norm of how we use our time or how we use our funds or how we see the world or how we interact with people. There's this temptation in our culture, this easy route of being like everyone else, this failure to pursue or understand our unique purpose. 
that God has created us for a unique purpose. And sometimes that will be countercultural to the world around us. But this temptation to be like everybody else, it hits everybody. If you're a teenager in high school, there's this temptation to be like everybody else. If you're starting off your first job, there's a temptation to be like everybody else. If you're the CEO of a company, there's a temptation just to please everybody and be like everybody else or be like every other company. If you're a stay-at-home mom, there's a temptation to be like every other mom or every other person. there's, There's this temptation as an artist. There's a temptation as a pastor to be like everybody else. There's a temptation in organizations just to be like every other organization. They do it that way. I'm sure we can do it this way. In communities or families or even churches, this temptation just to be like everybody else. That was Israel's sin in that moment. And what's so encouraging about this final piece of Samuel's speech is that despite their bad decision, he says, yes, you have sinned and you wanted to be like everybody else. And he says this, you have done this evil. Check out his words. You have done this evil, yet and but. These are his words. You have done this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. I'm thankful for yets and buts. (laughs) Because here's Israel. Though they were evil, they acted against God's plan for their lives, yet, but. That's grace. That's a fresh start. That's Samuel saying, here, Israel, here's a reset button. You can press reset, kind of like January 1st. You can press reset. You can start fresh. This opportunity to discover purpose moving forward and not looking backwards. Now, it'll require new decisions. It'll require potentially a new resolve. It'll require renewed trust in God. But there's this potential, this reset button for forgiveness and hope. And that's what I love about January 1st. That's what I love about resolutions. That's what I love about a season like this where we feel, we all in some way feel like, oh, maybe we could press the reset button. Maybe we can start fresh. Maybe what happened in 2015 doesn't have to affect what happened in 2016. And I think God gives us the same opportunity every day, but especially in new seasons like this, this potential for reset, this fresh start. You have done this, yet. This is what happened three months ago. This is what happened in 2015. But here's a fresh opportunity for you. You can move forward with hope. Now, to be realistic, Israel's past didn't just disappear. They still lived with a king. So they still lived out the consequences of desiring a king, but there was new opportunity even within that consequence. If you overspent $5,000 in 2015 and you're in debt now, $5,000, you can't erase that. I know, I know you wish you could. I know you wish there would be a glitch at the bank. And you're going to just, oh my goodness, who's, who disappeared my line of credit? Who took it away? It's gone. It's at zero. It's amazing. But I don't think that's going to happen. Th- that's the realism of like, this was my decision. I'm, it's there. But it doesn't mean that that debt has to completely affect your future. You can change that by working towards it, by fighting it, by bringing it down. 
If there was a broken relationship that needs repair, it doesn't mean that it's instantaneously perfect January 1st or when we press the reset button. It possibly needs to be nurtured and cared for and cultivated because of what happened previously, but there's still hope. There's still opportunity for reset. See, with Israel, you chose to live with a king. You've got the king. That's not going to change, but you can still live into your purpose. In a sense, God is here and he will work with you. That's this promise. That's this beautiful opportunity. The point is this, your past doesn't have to destroy your future. What happened doesn't have to affect your whole future. There's hope in moving forward. But it will take resolve. It will take resolution. It will take Growing to become a resolute person, someone who is resolute. And, and, and here's some of the indications of this, even in this speech. Because there's this opportunity, right? Your past is your past. It happened. You're going to live through some of the consequences. Here's an opportunity for reset. We can move forward. There's the yet and the but. But then here's a few phrases that Samuel gives Israel to help them understand, well, you need to grow to become resolute people. And here are some of the phrases. The first one is, don't be afraid. He says that. In the end of this speech, don't be afraid. In verse 20, don't be afraid. This is what has happened. This is what the situation is. But don't be afraid moving forward. Your sin has caused this consequence, but there's hope moving forward. Don't be afraid. God is still with you. In fact, there's two. There's a premise and a promise here, and I want to end with it, but I want to just highlight it here as well, that, that, that um, Samuel says, consider the great things God has done for you. Look back and realize everything he's done. And he also tells them, God will not reject you. So when he says, don't be afraid, he says, you can move forward, and you're not going to be alone moving forward. Don't be afraid. He says another word that starts with don't. Don't turn away from God. So they were in this situation. They had, you know, just kind of gone their own way, desiring a king and wanting to be like everybody else. But here in this moment, he says, you have an opportunity Here's what you need to do as you move forward. Don't turn away from God. Don't let go of God because God's not going to let go of you. Don't turn away from him. He's not going to turn away from you. Don't move forward without him, in other words. So don't turn away from God. This, this last don't is, is another one. Don't turn to useless idols. Don't turn to useless idols. And Samuel says they're for no good. They're useless. In essence, don't turn away from God. And as you move forward, don't turn to things that will not allow you to live into your purpose and live into your priority and live into your vision and live into the kind of people and person that God is wanting you to be. So there's this process, in a sense, from idols to God, or from useless to useful, or useless to priority. So even as you think about that, don't turn away from God, don't turn to idols. Don't turn away from the priorities that God is leading you towards, and don't turn to useless efforts, useless commitments. So if you look back to 2015... What has been a useless pursuit? Think about that. Was there a useless pursuit in 2015 besides the last series you watched on Netflix? 
like the four seasons you watched in the last month or something. I don't know, that could be. I would categorize that in my life if, that would, if that's the case. But when you look back at 2015, what would be a useless pursuit? What would have been a useless pursuit? What would have been on the positive side? What should, be, what should have been your priority when you think about that? And, th- and this is, this is where, where Samuel is leading. Don't turn to useless idols. Don't turn away from God. Don't focus on the useless, but focus on the priority. And I think a resolute person is someone who marks things as they walk through life. They realize these are things that are useless and I need to walk away from them. And then makes room for things that are priority and walks towards them. So someone who says, I'm going to do away with the useless and I'm going to make room for the priority. If you have a piece of paper, maybe you want to ask it this way. You might say, I will not do, and you can fill in the blank here for yourself. I will not do, and then think of those things that have been really useless idols in our lives. So I can do, and then consider what you're going to fill there in terms of God's priority for your life, God's vision for your life. I will not do this, so I can do this. You know, this is really vital because if we never do this, we rarely have room for this. This fills up our life. This fills up our schedules. This fills up our time. This fills up our brain. This fills up all kinds of things. And we rarely have room for the second one. We might in all of our hearts say, I will not turn away from God. I will turn towards God or I will turn towards these priorities. But if we don't turn away from this pile, we don't have room for this. And this always takes room from this. So we need to somehow discern how we need to let go of this so we make room for this. I will not do so I can do this. And then here's this most resolute statement in the whole passage. Verse 24, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Fear and serve him faithfully with all your heart. I think this is probably one of the reasons God got my attention about this passage because it helps me, helps, hopefully helps us start this year with this kind of resolute commitment or faithfulness or posture to serve God and ser- to fear God and to serve him faithfully with all of our hearts. That's the basis of a resolute life, of a purposeful, determined, unwavering life. To fear God is to worship him. To, to give your life to him in worship, to serve him fully. And then how? I love these words. Faithfully with all of your heart. That's, that's a resolute statement right there. Faithful with all of your heart. That phrase incorporates purpose. It incorporates determination. It incorporates an unwavering spirit. It incorporates commitment. It incorporates a, a journey forward. Serve him. Fear him. And serve him faithfully with all of your heart. So as we start this series, I'm going to the band to come up as we move into um, a, moment, a time of worship and communion today. But I want, you to, I want us to consider the next few weeks, we're going to look at some areas in our lives where we can really grow to be resolute in. Um, partly our, our, our faith, our, our relationships, our finances, Pieces like that. And, and here's, here's, it's going to be a little different because I think what's going to happen is every week we're going to walk through a principle and walk through a priority. And, 
And all the principles will affect every priority we walk through over the next few weeks. Um, all the principles will affect it, each one we share for the next three weeks. And then each priority will be just a, a focus for that week that we can get into. And so it's going to be a principle and a priority for the next few weeks as we move forward into that. That's where we're headed. But here, here's some questions to end today. And I, I threw them on the screen for you to think about. And if you want to write them down, take a picture. Last week I went to church with my mom and I was listening and I, I was taking pictures of, of, of the, the speaker's slides. I was like, oh, how can I remember that? So if you want to take a picture while I'm speaking, that's okay. Don't take one of me, but take one of the... <laughs> so here's, here's, a, here's a, some questions to leave you with. Have you been tempted to just be like everybody else? How have you been tempted to just be like everybody else? Think about that this week, today. Where does your life need a reset? You know, I can talk to someone and and really admire how much they love and care for their family and think, this person doesn't need a reset here. But then I look at how how they approach their faith and I say, I think maybe they need a reset here. Maybe some people, I look at them and I admire them and say, wow, they are just, they're pursuing the Lord in such an amazing way. And then I look at how they work with their finances and realize maybe they need a reset, reset there. Or I look at part of my life and say, oh, there's an area here that I think God has really been growing me in. But then there's this area here that I say, I think I really need a reset. So where in your life do you need a reset? And then this other question to help move forward, consider what has been useless and how you can move toward what is priority. Consider what has been useless and how you can move to what is priority. You guys can start as we slowly move into this. And let me leave you with these two things, a premise and a promise. The premise in verse 24 is this. Samuel says, consider the great things he has done for you. If you want to move forward to be resolute, to be a resolutionary person, Here's the premise, at least. This is where you can start. You can base your movement forward on on this foundation. Samuel says, he's telling Israel, yes, this has all happened up until this point, but you can move forward in hope. And here's why. Here's the premise, Israel. Consider all the amazing things God has done. And so you and me as well, as we, we want to move forward, as we want to look forward, as we want to take steps forward to become resolute people, to bring change in our lives, the past, yes, there has been some difficult moments, there's been some failures, there's been some downfalls, but let's pause and say, let's consider all the great things God has done. That's the premise to stand on. And the promise is this, in verse 22, Samuel says this, for God's great name, for God's great name, the Lord will not reject his people. That's the promise. That despite all that's happened, despite Israel's you know, rebellion towards God and saying, God, thanks for leading us, but we want a king. Still, Samuel says, listen, God is a God because of his great name, because of who he is, because of his character, he will not reject his people. And that's the promise that as we move forward, God will not reject his people as we trust him, as we put our lives in his hands. So the premise is consider all the great things God has done. Base your next steps on that. And the promise is God will not reject you. He will walk with you. He will be with you. He will move forward with you. God, at the forefront of all our prayers, that is our prayer. Be thou our vision. Be the ruler of all. 
we call you Lord, Lord of our lives, Lord of the heavens, Lord of earth, ruler of all things, including our heart. So at the front end of a new year, Lord, we declare you Lord of our lives, Lord over our church, our city. God, I pray that as some, even this morning, have pressed reset, believing in faith, considering all that you've already done, and standing on the promise that you are always with them. And the sense of new hope, God, I just, I bring each and every person to you. Lord, may you empower them by your spirit, encourage them by your grace, fill them with your presence and your power. God, may we go out in peace, in hope, in strength, and may we see this new year with fresh eyes. Give us fresh eyes to see this year as you would want us to see it. And give us the courage, God, to let go of the things that have taken up space for your vision for our life. As we move forward the next few weeks in this series, open our hearts, our minds, as you inspire us and challenge us and encourage us towards new heights. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.